feeling. We're already halfway through the week. Wednesday night. It's the 18th day of January 2023. I'm your host. My name is Frank. This is the Quite Frankly pre-show. But on nights like tonight, which have to end a little bit early, I start a little bit early, and the first half becomes a little bit longer than the normal, so um, it, it, it's, it's weird, but I like making up for lost time. And why are we stopping early tonight? Well, just to remind you all, it is the second session of Book Club. That'll be happening around 8.45, so I'll get off around 8.35, 8.40 at the very latest. And just want to remind everybody that you still have a chance to peek in on that book club and participate if you become a monthly sponsor through Subscribestar or Patreon. As I posted the, I post the um, the spot the uh, private links to those platforms in public posts, as opposed to sending them through email, which is obviously too late for that right now. So you would get immediate access to those links and all the Sunday links, actually. All the Sunday private streams that we do as a part of universal perks that everybody gets for sponsoring this show. So, and and if you're just thinking about the future, we're a little bit over a month away from March now, where Jay Dyer and I will be tag-teaming Brave New World in the second session of Book Club 2023. That's going to be a really great one, because Jay has already done a lot of deep dives on... Uh, on Brave New World and all surrounding themes. So it, it's going to be hard to keep those sessions to just about an hour. I'll tell you, that might have to be afternoon streams so we have a little bit more time to stretch our stretch our legs out a little bit. Anyway, that'll be nice. So just letting you know, that's what we're doing tonight. Welcome, welcome to the show. All right, um, what else do I have? Jay Goulinello tomorrow. Marjorie Wildcraft on Friday. But... Marjorie Wildcraft is going to be on from 7.30 to about 8 o'clock. We'll be talking about food survival mentality, you know, the, the, the skyrocketing price of eggs and everything else right now. That's Marjorie from the Grow Network. But in the second half, we're going to have a second half guest. That's right. Our correspondent from Switzerland, Noor Bin Laden, is going to be calling in to talk about everything that she's been covering uh, on Davos. We were talking earlier on today. I just wanted to say what's what's up and we were wishing wishing each other a happy new year and uh, she wants to come on and there that's what we'll be doing so two guests on friday night nor bin laden in the second half to talk a little bit about davos which again again they are promising that within the next couple of years which means it could be a lot sooner there's going to be a cataclysmic cyber event or a cyber cataclysm that's coming our way all right so uh they may be demons and you may uh loathe them but do not ignore them because they are not soothsayers they're not fortune tellers they are just uh great magicians in a play uh and, and unfortunately we're living through one of those like tony and tina's wedding kind of plays where they come into the actual audience and slap you in the face with a fish that's a problem. You ever been to one of those plays? Those interactive murder mysteries or something like that? You go to the you go to the bathroom and there's an actor in there, uh, you know, talking shit about the bridegroom or something like that, and you know, you talk trying to bring you in on the family drama. 
Well, that's what we're talking about. All right. All right, I got all that out of the way. So let's jump into the grab bag, shall we? I want to thank all my sponsors on sponsors and friends on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. Now, we're starting a little early. It's 6.54. This is usually the time that I hit launch. So it's going to take a little time for people to filter in. What I would ask of you, especially if you are on YouTube and Rumble, YouTube or Rumble, hit the like button and keep, uh, you know, pumping each other up to hit that like button because uh, all of a sudden we're taking on some attention on YouTube again. You know, who knows? We might be ringing the dinner bell over here, but who the hell cares? And Rumble is just uh, doing its thing. Everywhere else, all the links to Theta and to Rockfin and Twitch and DLive, it's all out there. Get people to watch the show and have a good time with them. I, I will do my best to keep you all entertained so let's go into our first thing here. Now, I I, I saw this was going on. Uh, there was a uh, Philadelphia Flyers player. His name is Ivan Provorov. Hockey. Apparently, the Flyers were having a gay pride night, and they wanted all of their their players to go and wear a some sort of an altered jersey during a, a warm-up or practice or something like that. And he simply said, no. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that, and I'll play you the I'll play you the actual comment. I'm not going to do it. Uh, people can live their lives, however, and I just not for him. Well, that set off some of the most. I don't know. I guess this is just Canada all across the board. But these are here are some Canadian broadcasters, sports broadcasters, who talk a lot about hockey. Obviously, hockey is Canada's baseball. What baseball used to be in the U.S., but take a listen to this. Listen to this, this, uh, this, this pudgy, wimp man. It's pretty much two women chit-chatting, trying to figure out the world. Listen to what he says about all this. Um, the theme from the National Hockey League is hockey is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. The theme is not hockey is for everyone. Dot dot dot. Unless. You don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. I, I now what that he thinks he's making points. He thinks as he's scoring points, he thinks that he's going to have you know I don't know a little extra something coming his way. I don't know what he means. Hockey is for everyone. Great, great. Then buy a fucking ticket. Excuse my language. Buy a ticket and go watch a game. There you go. Hockey's for everyone. Why do the players need to be forced to genuflect before a sexual special interest group? I don't understand. You're gay and you want to go see a hockey game? Go! This is beyond pathetic. This is obviously very thinly cloaking a, a, a horrible, horrible reality of what has been done to us and what is going to continue to be pushed. And this guy is just a willing water carrier and he's so pathetic with his bulging chins. If the National Hockey League is going to do this, if any league is going to do this, do it properly or reevaluate what you're doing. Apparently, a proper civil rights TM, trademark, a proper civil rights TM initiative 
must come along with overwhelming threat of force and public flogging. If you're going to do this properly, what's proper? That if you don't kneel right now and wear this fucking jersey, your life is over. And we are going to hound you into the independent leagues and make sure nobody signs you. So, I mean, that, that, just think about it. Obviously, he's not thinking about what he's saying. He, he understands what is driving things in the corporate world, what, what, what his, this, very, uh, this very league over here, the NHL, is now being forced to bow down before. I mean, he knows which way the wind blows, where all the big money is, and that's it. He's not even considering the dastardly things that are being uh, that are coming out of his mouth and what it actually what kind of a picture it actually paints because there's not a lot of repercussions that I'm seeing from any league now it could change with the NHL could change with the NHL I think you find the Flyers a million dollars for this I'm not kidding find the Flyers a million dollars a million dollars and you want you want to hear the offending comment here's the offending comment from Ivan Provorov Everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. Okay, that's the first five seconds. It's pretty important. I respect everybody's choices. I my choice is to you know I I want to respect myself and my religion. Everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm gonna say. Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would like I would answer those. So for those those of you in podcast land, uh, he's he's saying if there's any hockey questions, I'd love to answer those. And one last question is, what religion is it? Russian Orthodox. Russian Orthodox. So with the game tonight, Ivan. Um, so they start asking, and then they start asking about the game, and, and there you have. There's the offending comment right there. All right. Now, if if all you did was listen to the pudgy moron from the Canadian sports show, then you would think that Provorov was burning a cross in the parking lot outside of wherever the Flyers play hockey. But all he said was that people can live however the hell they'd like, and that he'd like to be paid the same exact respect. And not be forced to wear the battle flag of a Bolshevik sexual special interest group. Because that's what it is. It's a fucking battle flag. Don't give me this. It's, a, it's for all gays and lesbians. Don't give me that. Don't give it to me. Don't. It is a battle flag for a Bolshevik sexual special interest group. That is all. So good for him. And I hope that more people show this kind of resolve in the face of these shadow puppeteers because this is just becoming uh, too much to stomach. Too much to stomach, especially since all the, all the flowery kumbaya stuff is gone and now it's million dollars. This, th- th- this is not being done properly. People still seem to have free will. What the hell's going on over here? People still have free will. This is not being done properly. Bend down, bend down, bend over. What a mess. What a mess. All right, moving into something a little bit more, I don't know, something something else. I don't know if it's a little bit more lighthearted, but at least it's something else. We have a little something here from Leo Homan. 
Biden signs on to Declaration of North America, DNA. Isn't that something? With Canada and Mexico, is the planned North American Union making a comeback? Oh, you guys and gals remember this? This was a big, this was an early red pill conspiracy theory um, point of debate. Not only the North American Union, but the currency that we would share with, with Canada and, uh, and, and Mexico. You remember that? The Umero? That's what everybody said it was going to be. Biden signs on to Declaration of North America with Canada and Mexico. Last week in Mexico City with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, or as, uh, as Klaus Schwab would say, Justin Trudeau. Last week in Mexico City with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Strudel and Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Let's a couple more names, huh? For the 10th North American Leaders Summit, the three leaders signed on to a document that looks like a prelude to North American Union, which the globalists take a lot talk a lot about during the George W. Bush presidency. It's true. A lot of stuff was coming out around then. It looks like the push toward a merger of U.S., Canada, and Mexico may be back on the front burner if this document is any indication. The document attracted very little media attention since it was released on January 10th as the mainstream corporate press focused instead on classified documents found in Joe Biden's office and home. When major news happens, there's almost always a misdirection play meant to divert our eyes. Well, listen, you can take this. Well, I'm not even going to talk about that. The stated goal of the document is to fortify the continent's, quote, security, prosperity, sustainability, which is run for the hills when you hear somebody say sustainable, and inclusiveness. Oh, run for the hills when you hear inclusiveness as well. Uh, The North American leaders, dubbed the Three Amigos, committed their countries to six pillars, all of which were taken straight from United Nations documents Agenda 21 and 2030. They borrow heavily from UN 2030-17 sustainability goals in the new document dated January 10th, 2023, titled Declaration of North America which appeared jointly on the government websites of the U.S., White House, Canada, and Mexico. The list of goals in this document are separated into six categories. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Terrible. Ugly. That's a bad one. Climate change and environment. Oh, there we go. Bad. Competitiveness. Hilarious, coming from people who want to centralize everything. Uh, Migration and development, which means, well, you know. Health, they destroyed that. And regional security. I don't know what that means. Is, I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to bring this up because you know how we talked about 2016, which was an incredible year to just, to, to, to even speculate about what may have been put on hold by Donald Trump's arrival on the scene and stealing one away from the woman who earned it so badly so earnestly she earned it and it was taken from her because the russians that weren't there well you're saying what could have been pushed back what was hillary going to be coming in to do this is definitely something and if you remember not very many people bring it up because it just got lost in the it got lost in all of the the screaming and the the craziness leading up to leading up to the uh, the 
the the the the November election that year and of course those crazy ass debates but what we had there in that debate I think it was on it was in October late October of 2016 we had Hillary Clinton in that debate talk about open borders in an energy grid sharing sense with Mexico which of course is not her vision it's not something she cooked up it's something that she was a part of something that she was assigned to deliver and I'm sure that she had a an asking price no doubt about it and it all was worked out behind the scenes but this is a a, a very serious thing here I went and dug it up just so you can listen to it a little bit. Well, I, I couldn't find the actual clip. I didn't have time to do that. But it was October. This was a, here's a Forbes magazine article that I found from October. Uh, I think it's October 20th, 2016. While most of the country is now talking about Donald Trump being a sore loser. This is before he won and then everything. <laughs> Uh, there's alternatively plenty to discuss about Hillary Clinton's open borders remark made to Brazilian bankers in a paid speech that came to light in last night's presidential debate. When asked about it by moderator Chris Wallace, the Democrat, another guy who's been destroyed ever since then, the Democrat nominee said that the statement had been referenced to green energy and creation of a broader transmission grid that would carry cleaner electrons from where they might ha- they might be generated. It's a noble goal, but is it even feasible? And she was saying, I wasn't talking about open borders, like literal open borders, which of course, they that, that's just a given. The borders are always gonna be open. They're always going to try to erase all of the last vestiges of, of resistance, of true democratic resistance to what they're doing to Western the Western world. And that of course has to be done through migrant crises concocted migrant crises and she said this oh i was talking about energy clinton said last night in reference to open border comment she said it had nothing to do with immigration quote you know we trade more energy with our neighbors than we trade with the rest of the world combined she continued and i do want us to have an electric grid an energy system that crosses borders i think that will be a great benefit to us end quote Given that the the utilities in this country find it nearly impossible to expand their transmission systems even a few miles, it would seem insurmountable to stretch the wires from one continent to another. What is being done, though, is grid modernization that is making those systems more efficient and allowing more space on them to carry wind and solar electrons. So if you think about the plans that have been laid years ago and might have been pushed back because suddenly you have to deal with the Donald Trump problem for four years. How do you paralyze him? How do you make sure that 20, uh, 20, uh, how do you make sure that 2018 and 2020 go in your way to any kind of feasible degree? Those four years, they would probably wanted to be working on something like this, whatever the hell this deal, this DNA agreement between Canada and the United States and Mexico, which is completely illegal, completely illegal. The president, the Congress has no authority to do anything like this. Um, This is probably a big part of it, probably a big part of it, that she wanted to be working on some kind of a joint energy grid, eventually joint currency, joint everything, 
no doubt about it that this is uh that they're just trying to piece together what they wish they could against they could have got started on in 2016 no doubt about it in my mind at least so i'll keep a lookout on any other updates coming from this declaration of north america and maybe you will too one last thing i want to do before we go to our break and that is to do a follow-up on leo zagami now we heard about the last the last godfather who has been arrested out there in italy said could this be the person that we were talking about on friday where leo zagami was saying oh yeah he's He's, uh, he's out in the open. Everybody knows where he is. He's, he's living as a monk in Vatican City and doing what he, what he wants. Well, he was just arrested. And everybody said this is a great, great victory for the authorities out there in Italy. And Leo says, yes, but it's not what you think. He told me an email. He said, I'm going to write something on this tomorrow. I'm going to send it your way. And he did. And this is exactly what he published yesterday on January 17th. Mafia boss Matteo Messina Denaro's Italy's most wanted man was a Freemason and his arrest is a farce. This is what he, this is his take on the whole thing. So listen to this. In 2016, in 2016, the prosecutor, Marcello Viola, delivered a list to the pre, uh, prefecture of Trepia, uh, Trapani, a city in the western in western sicily of around 500 freemasons scattered in 19 lodges throughout the province the impressive list received by the prefecture of trapani included the names of politicians local administrators officials bankers journalists and even a few law enforcement officers from the list it became evident that the local capital of freemasonry was indeed uh, uh what was this uh castle of Vetrano with less than 30,000 inhabitants, and yet the city with most lodges, officially six, but a secret one connected to the Grand Orient of France was also discovered in 2019 after the police operation Artemisia arrested 27 of its highly influential members. Yes, Castle Vetrano, the town of origin of the super boss and Freemason Matteo Messina Denaro, a member of the super influential Lodge Sicilia, Created originally by the P2, was arrested yesterday in Palermo in a staged operation which was prepared months in advance and even announced on Italian TV back in November 2020 by a quote-unquote former member who talked on popular TV show, uh, I don't know how to say, Noni Lorena, about the fact that the Sicilian Mafia boss was sick. He was sick with cancer, I think, and the mafia was about to strike a deal with the Italian authorities to get him some proper treatment. This farce was orchestrated by the real boss of the Italian mafia, the current Italian president, Sergio Mattarella, who belonged to one of the most influential lodges in Trapani called uh, Iside II, which was in the center of Trapani via Careca. Sergio Mattarella, an Italian politician, jurist, academic, and lawyer, has served as the president of Italy since 2015 and is the son of the politician and mafia member Bernardo Mattarella. Bernardo Mattarella has been accused several times of having links with the mafia. These accusations were always rejected in the corrupted courts of Italy, but the alleged links between Mattarella and the mafia are described in several reports and books. According to a report of the section of the Communist Party of Trapani, which was reproduced in the final report of the Anti-Mafia Commission in 1976, 
Mattarella had an excellent relationship with the mafia boss of Alcamo, Vincenzo Rimi. The communist minority of the Parliamentary Anti-Mafia Commission described Mattarella as the man, quote, who had striven to absorb mafia forces with the Christian Democrats so as to use them as an instrument of power, end quote. The greatest mafia intrigues of the last few decades have been linked to the aside to Lodge, Lodge in Trapani, including the attempted assassination of St. Pope John Paul II. Today, the city with the most Masonic lodges in the provinces of, uh, of the province of Trapani is precisely those of Matteo Messina Denaro's uh, Castle Vetrano. Out of the 19 lodges surveyed in the province of Trapani, six are based there. Uh, Lodge Italo Letizia, three four five, from the Piazza del Gesù Obedience. Lodge Demetra, two forty, and Lodge Enoch, two thirty eight belonging to the regular Grand Lodge of Italy, which was later considered one of the most influential. Lodge Francisco Ferrer, 908, of the Grand Orient of Italy, and finally the controversial Lodge uh, Hypsus of the Grand Orient of France, the far more secretive Large Sicilia. It is a lot of lodges for a town, just over 30,000 inhabitants, and among the brothers... There are politicians and administrators, people who manage or have managed public affairs in the past, who have actively worked to protect Brother Matteo Messina Denaro until yesterday. There is Deputy Mayor Salvatore Stupia, registered in Italo Letizia Lodge 345, or the municipal councillors Pietro D'Angelo, Maurizio Silvestro uh, Piazza, and the former councillor Giuseppe Rizzo all registered in the lodge francisco ferrer so here's the thing he says there are also men belonging to the police forces who are involved in the protecting the mafia boss who has recently been arrested simply because he's dying of cancer and needs cures that he can no longer undertake with the false name andrea buonafede that was his false name he even see i i don't know how leo does it i really don't know i know that he fled italy and he's here i just i don't understand it well, like he said in the first time he talked to us, he goes, I don't run. I'm not a peasant. Which he used the false name in the last year while being treated for colon cancer at the private hospital, uh, La Madalena, where the farce arrest took place as the real boss, Sergio Mattarella, continues to control Italy from, I guess, the capital, the highest of the seven hills of Rome with the support of Jesuit Pope. Giovanni Brusca, who dissolved the 12-year-old boy in acid in the, by the orders of Matteo Messina Denaro, was incredibly, re, was incredibly released last year because the mafia now controls the whole of Italy and its republic of lies and deception. So don't be fooled by the arrest of Matteo Messina Denaro. The real godfather is still in control because today's mafia are people with college degrees. We call them white-collar mafia, and Sergio Mattarella is their leader. However, they delayed the arrest of Denaro because he was also protected in the Vatican by the late Pope Ratzinger and even the son of anti-mafia judge Paolo Borsellino who was assassinated by Cosa Nostra, doesn't believe in this farce. Well, there's a little something. Put that in your pipe. All right, we'll be right back. I want to open up tonight's main topic, which is education in the apocalypse. 
Stephen Jonathan is coming on to talk about really great things that you as parents, mentors, uncles, aunts, anybody that is going to have a hand in the, in the, the, the upbringing of a member of a society going forward where we know so much about school, we know so much about media, we know so much about what the plans are for the entire world. What do we do to prepare children to educate them and to be able to eventually set them free into a dystopian hellscape through which we must walk in order to get to any kind of rebirth. We must do it. We must walk across the fire. What do we do to help prepare children for that burden, that responsibility? Well, we're going to talk about that next. We have a lot of your own things that have been submitted through our official thread, which is open and will always be open. And then we have Stephen Jonathan joining us uh, joining us at the bottom of the hour, which is in about 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! got to be happy about that you got to be happy about that man no more pencils no more pencils and none of that well welcome to the show welcome to the show school's gonna look a lot different in the years to come it already is for at least five million children who are now being homeschooled i don't know how this is gonna work out but at least we're gonna have a shot Stephen Jonathan is going to be with us in about 10 minutes, and uh, and we're going to have a good time. I want to read you a little bit about Stephen. Stephen is the, founding, uh, the founder of City of Truth, a resource for homeschooling parents and teachers who want to recover the true liberal arts tradition at cityoftruth.co. He is the founder of St. Isidore's Artisan Academy at Stella Maris Ranch 
in Seadrift, Texas. He's the executive director of the St. Thomas More Teaching Fellowship for the Archdiocese of Boston Catholic Schools. Stephen is a senior fellow at the Cardinal Newman Society and a senior fellow at the American Principles Project. He's a writer and public speaker on culture and education. Stephen's primary mission is to articulate the nature and purpose of an authentic education. And uh, he'll be jumping in with us in a little while. But first, we're going to wet our whistles with what's going on on the, quite frankly, thread here. Now, this was inspired by an audience member who called in, I believe, the last night that Stephen Jonathan was on back in December when he came on to talk about the Jesse tree and, and a few other things that were going on in the lead up to Christmas. And here's what we wanted. The audience member called in not too long ago, said, if you're a parent, a guardian, or a mentor to children in any way, what are you planning to do to protect your children from the coming hellscape in which they have to live? And he was primarily focused on how to educate children, but we can leave to whatever you feel is appropriate. Now, I want to read just right off the bat, jumping on in, since we have about seven or eight minutes. I think I can get a few more in here. Randy is the first one who dropped some thoughts on this thread back in December, and I think it's pretty great. And there's a lot more, and we'll get through as many as we can, especially since we'll have some time in the second half, too. But here it is. Randy says, my elevator pitch that my kids can take with them whatever happens, they, they can, uh, wait, wait, my, my elevator pitch that my kids can take with them whatever happens to me. Number one, stay human. Say no to transhumanism, no to Neuralink, no to Metaverse, no to the jabbies, question everything, resist. God gave us everything we need. See the story of Adam and Eve if you want to see what happens when we try to become like gods. We are servants of God, not rivals. Stay free. Convenience is a trap. Stay low tech. Don't get tracked, traced, and databased. There is no free lunch, especially with government. Anything free has strings attached. The only free stuff out there is the grace of God. Be God-reliant in faith and self-reliant in life. Those are some great, great lines right there. Great one-liners. Unfortunately, it's very hard to stay low tech, completely low tech. Everything is tracked and traced and databased. Um, it, but uh, but if you can deal in cash with as much as you can, that's great. If you can deal one-on-one -on -one with a doctor that's not part of a gigantic network of doctors and, and you really trust all of your medical information, that's good too. You know, just keep it in mind. But I don't know. What do you know? Online banking is just too easy these days. Obviously, if it all goes, well, very easily go back to old-style banking when the grid goes down soon. But yeah, here's another one. Stay faithful. In the hellscape to come, hope will be shattered and faith will be like gold. Many will lose their reason to live and surrender to the beast system. But those with faith will persevere, cultivate faith, and cultivate a sense of mystery in the world. The more we think that science has mastered everything, that we have explored every corner of the earth, sea, and space, the more we become bored with the world. Teach your kids to stay enchanted with reality. That's what I was talking about primarily with... Robert Phoenix, who asked me this question about what, what am I doing to prepare my daughter for the world and how do I approach parenting? And we went back and forth. It was a great conversation. You got to go check out that episode on Robert Phoenix's uh, YouTube. I played it over the, over the weekend on quitefrankly.tv. But one of the main things I have as a goal for Aurora, and if she has any siblings in the future 
is how to keep that spark, that awe, that sense of absolute awe in the world alive and burning bright. Because there is no doubt about it, that faith, that sense, that spark is going to be challenged. There is going to be one person after another, one organization after another, one movie, one song, whatever after another, lining up to throw a wet blanket on that spark. A wet blanket on that imagination that has got to be kept alive. Got to be kept alive. Like I said last night, when we were talking about generational gaps and new media, um, how, how I have to concentrate on bringing in younger generations. I have to, that has to be my main demographic. It has to be, it's always been who I've targeted. This show, what became this show, started in college. All right, now, some of you, like King, King and maybe one or two others, has been around since about 2006, seven. Lauren was around. Lauren was, uh, was, was completely flabbergasted by the things that we were doing on, on, uh, on air in 2006 and seven. But, um, well, not 2007, we had broken up. We, we broke up in 2006, just fitting, everybody was in college and we just, whatever. And we didn't, we didn't see each other for three years, but we were still doing it. We were still doing it. Um, th- it was very important to stay honed in on this upcoming generation. Now we didn't know what message we wanted to send to people, but we just wanted to be a part of a wave of new media. And I said, those of you who are in the 55 and older, which is what, conservative big media has been telling people like Steven Crowder that you need to concentrate on because there is no such thing as a non-progressive, non-tanky, communist, uh, you know, bubblegum-brained portion of the younger generation. I said, well, listen, 55 to 65 and older, very well represented with this audience. And it's not because I'm out there looking for you. You found me, we crossed paths, and you are young in spirit. It's the only way that you've held on this long. Even the clergymen that are watching this show, I cannot believe, I cannot believe how many men of the cloth watch this show and have not thrown me out with the bathwater already. That is a sign to me of an inner spark that has stayed alive because I have taken you to places you would have never chose to go on your own and i think we've had a pretty good time that 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 is my number one and i love that stay faithful i'm going to read the rest of this and then we're going to bring on steve and jonathan since i went red pill randy continues i'm now open to so many things that frank and his guests will talk about this may stretch a standard christian world world view but it is not contradictory in that it is enriching my experience of the universe i'm a believer in god but agnostic to interdimensional aliens reptilians cryptids lost civilizations etc being open to all that stuff is important in that it keeps us from this reductive mechanistic view of the world which is what they want bravo on that bravo Brava. If they can convince us that they have mastered reality through scientism, they can control us with a mechanistic mindset, dinosaurs, evolution, global warming, etc. After the last two years, we know that they actually don't know shit. 
about health especially. And secondly, that we have seen that they are lying to us about mostly everything else. The goals of all these lies is to flatten our perception of reality, remove the sacred, or at least domesticate our sense of the sacred. Yes, Pope Francis, I'm talking to you. Because once we are disenchanted, we are controllable. Be open to religion, but be very wary that religion can also become a tool of control that the WEF ghouls are always looking to weaponize. And remember that Thin Red Line, my favorite film, when uh, Sergeant Welsh says to Wit, they want you dead or in their lie. And finally, false flags. False flags are also important for kids to understand. We are in the haunted house that runs on fear. Faith can protect them from the foundational psyop. Jesus says over and over, be not afraid. Stay based, Franklies, and raise based kids. I love that. I really do. That is wonderful, and we're going to go right to our good friend, our good friend and returning guest, Stephen Jonathan, who joins us here for the first appearance of the new year. I cannot wait to jump into this with him. Stephen, how you feeling tonight? Stephen? Stephen Jonathan? Frank. Hello. Hey. It's great to have you on again. How's everything? How was, how was Christmas and how was Amazing. New Year's? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy Quite New frankly, Year. And you, Frank? Yes, well, I'm happy to have you back. It, it, you Me know, too. I've been waiting for this night since the last, since the night in December we were talking about the Jesse tree and so many other things because the topic for this show popped up that evening. And here you are again. It uh, gives me, uh, you know, a great, great pleasure to have you back. So um, where do you want to get started with this, Stephen? Because the overall theme is when people, and many people have millions of households, have now said we're homeschooling. For a number of reasons, not only because some people are afraid of viruses and whatever people are carrying, but most people have seen what the school system is. And if there's anything that we can thank COVID for, it was exposing just how dangerous American schooling was, public and private. So if you're if you're preparing a child to go into this dystopian hellscape that we have to walk through and be able to get to the light at the other end, where do we start to uh to uh, shore them up and arm them. Yeah, Frank, I think your image is perfect that we have to go through this hell in order to be reborn. And I wanna bring up this image of the frog in the slowly heating water. This is something that most of us probably don't realize is that the hellscape is here and the hellscape is now. I think that's not really known fully because like the book, uh, Aldous Huxley's A Brave New World, Hmm. they have this soma. They have this drug that everybody takes and it puts you to sleep. Soma's like a word for sleep. So we've all been lulled into this comfortable kind of lifestyle through the technology and through the lies we've been told, through the lies we believe. And when I read your thread on this, I think a book should be written about including every single idea that your readers brought up. Because these are people who are red-pilled. These are people who are aware that there is a hellscape but I'm not even sure that everyone's aware of how right in the middle of it we are. That, that especially is, in schools. I know. I know. And, and you know, I, I talk about this a lot uh, whenever it comes up, when we talk about, um, you know, what's coming down the road or what's here right now and and where where our sense our senses are, how finely attuned they are, and how much stress really has 
on us. Like if we were to be able, we don't know how much stress is really on our on our shoulders right now. We're walking away with we're walking around with a lot of internalized stress that is given to us. I mean, life is stressful. But if you were to take away all the stuff that has been assigned to us by central authorities alone and the media alone for the last couple of years, we would probably levitate off the ground. I mean, so I, I, we don't, you know, like you said, we, we probably, many people can't even really contemplate how in the middle of it we are. No, I, I think it's quite right. And you know what? I think it was Randy who brought this whole thing up in the first place. And his original post is incredibly full of all the things we have to consider. So, yeah, I think we, we just don't see the pressure put on us to conform to this diversity, equity, and inclusion, for example. That, that's an insanity that just doesn't seem to bother people. Or transhumanism, this idea that we, we are gonna go beyond what we already are, it's just a, a, a pseudo-mystical fantasy to take the place of what you need for your daughter, which is enchantment and wonder. This is all, it is bait and switch with the mechanistic world, materialism, and what is truly transcendental, the thing to which we've been blinded, not just in everyday life, but in an education. So let's take, let's take a clean slate. Let's take a blank canvas of a child who is, who is, you know, uh, been home for, you know, home with family and immediate friends for about, I don't know, three or four years. And now it's time for that time, which is about where we all get shipped off to either pre-K four or kindergarten, but we're not going down that road. We, the parents and, and all the supporting cast in this child's life has seen the world for what it is. We're going in our own direction. If you have this blank slate of a child here now what are you doing to build up a curriculum for them that you believe prepares them on a philosophical on a civic level on a faith level remember the first time that we spoke it was about fairy tales and storytelling the importance of 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 fairy tales and storytelling for especially for the development of young children to learn morality and all that so how do you put together a balanced system for a brand new child. Let me start with a negative image. This is gonna be the bottom, this is the ground floor. If you do nothing, that's better than most of the things we're encouraged to do. Let me put it this way. If you do anything that imitates the modern public school, you're going to harm your child. So that's really hard to see because this is the, the frog in the slowly boiling water that we're not, you, we don't understand. I mean, the, what you just said, Frank, about bringing fairy tales and myths, that's essential. But even if you treat those fairy tales and myths the way that we were subjected to literature, you're gonna ruin those for your child. Does that make sense? Explain that a little bit more. Okay, so there's a modern methodology in education that is purely materialistic and mechanistic, and it's called outcomes-based education. We've been in it since generations before we even came along. It comes from John Dewey and his horrendous ideas about the nature of the human person, the nature of reality, and the nature of human learning. He was completely wrong a hundred years ago, and we've taken his horrible ideas and we've crunched them into even worse and more horrible ideas. So even if we have the great fairy tales and the great myths and we use the methodology, if we sit down with our children and work with them the way the schools worked with us, 
we're going to rob those books and stories of their enchantment. Mm. Does that make sense? It, 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 uh, very much so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so in in a in a, the truest possible sense you can imagine, to do nothing with them but to gaze into their eyes is infinitely better than anything we've been conditioned into. That that is something in itself. I, I'm I'm glad you said that. Just eye contact. Um, yes. There is so much lost in the average handshake and looking into a person's eye. We uh, the, the children now. I know. Uh, I know that we are being desocialized in so many different ways through technology. The the um, I, I was just talking with my brother before we went live about some strange things we're seeing around town. I saw a woman almost get hit by a car yesterday crossing a crosswalk. Uh, nobody's paying attention to each other. Whether you're driving or walking, your your head is in this little phone and people want to put these these things in their head it's in a chip it's incredible but the de so the desocialization is one thing it's turning everybody into almost like beaten dogs there's a sense of wanting just just crowning the head and and not wanting to look up and well, that in itself what what is it with that that's exactly what they want from us. They want everyone solipsized. They want them alone in their own little world, self-considering, narcissistic. And I should have mentioned that when you gaze into your child's eyes, make sure you're not wearing a mask for crying out loud. It's unbelievable what they want us to do. So it's very true that they've atomized, uh, materialism asks us to atomize everything. And we lose the integration and the whole between the material and the transcendent. So to be with your children alone is good enough. And might I add four things that might not make sense right now, but hopefully will make sense later. We, we have this loss of understanding of the nature of the school. The word school literally means leisure. Leisure does not mean what we say it means today. Leisure means to be at rest and to receive into your soul what is. It's about being at peace, not about becoming anything. So the modern schools conditioned us into try to make us our, ourselves and our children become something. And we've lost sight of being. Hmm. That's why as bad as it sounds, just being with your children is infinitely better than anything we've been conditioned to do. So the key word there is leisure which in the ancient tongue was pronounced schola in Latin, school in Greek. School used to mean leisure. Now it means busy work and activity to distract you from what you really are. And what we've done is we've substituted false activities of being, uh, uh, false activities into, into categories of being. It's completely false. Hmm. So you, you are, a, you are, I mean, even something is, uh, symbols. You are a school teacher. No, you you teach children in the school. That's your vocation. But you are a human being. We have to recover that. When there's no sense of the human being, and it becomes a human doing, then transhumanism makes sense. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so so there's there, we. If I could drag people out of becoming and into the world of being, we would ask different kinds of questions, and we call those questions first order questions which have been answered by the materialists and non-questioned by us. We don't ask. We ask questions about becoming, and that's what they want us to do. Because you can ask 10 billion of those and get no real answers. 
So let's take the, oh, just so well said, so well said there too. And, and I guess that would create a, a nice foundation for what then becomes the materials that that will ultimately comprise a person's education. Now, um, I, I want to ask about compliance laws afterwards because it's not just a matter of okay, well, I'm going to teach my child, and today and this month I'm going to teach them the alphabet. I'm going to you know do my my best in teaching them how to put words together and formula i'm going to work on their handwriting and we'll do history i'll pick out books and all that uh it's it's, every state has different things that they require to be done um it's uh it's pretty micromanaged in some places a little bit looser elsewhere but by and large what do people have to contend with when uh having to to um to pick out exactly what kinds of things that they are teaching their children? Is it a certain amount of math, a certain amount of, 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 of what? This is such an important question because the reality of the situation when we first become aware of it, I would say reject every single thing they ask you to do, but it would be a false conclusion to say that that means you should be an anti-schooler or, or anti-education. It's something entirely different. So that's a false dichotomy. It's either school or anti-schooling. No, the alternative, the virtue, the golden mean between those two extremes would be to discover what is an authentic education. You could see that list they give you as a kind of counterexample, but that doesn't mean the things that they name aren't important. It means what they're asking you to do with those things is definitely the wrong method. Uh, I hope that makes sense because it's a little bit confusing. No, it does. Um, so, yeah, anti-schooling is not the answer. To to be with your child and to recover, we, we need to go back to principles. Like we said, protecting innocence. If you can discern a thing that destroys your child's innocence and protect them from that, that's one of the best educational principles known to man. Protect their innocence. If you can recognize what is wonderful and awe-inspiring about a fairy tale, that's a wonderful thing. The problem is, is that we've lost sight of that. We don't realize that the, the fairy tale is not the end. It's the means to transporting the imagination and soul of a child into the world of the author or into the land of fairy. These things are non-existent today, even in the discussions about education, but they should be the primary thing we're talking about, especially for homeschooling parents. We've made an idol out of reading, an idol out of literature, out of books, and that's a huge mistake because now Satan set it up so perfectly, you could take all the great books in the curriculum and still ruin your child's life with them. So you just said right there, making idols out of reading and idols out of writing. But reading, writing, and arithmetic—that is the that that is the old that's the old jingle there. And it, it is very very important. Arithmetic, reading, and writing makes you a functional person in society. It also enables you to to receive and broadcast your thoughts and communicate with people. There's something very very important about the ability to write with a pen and to articulate your thoughts there too. So as far as a person who wants to be able to do things off the beaten path with their child and not go through this regimented busybody system that is obviously mostly shaped by political whims and ideologies that work against human nature, how are you getting a child to be literate? What are you doing to get them to be able to read, write, and do basic math? What are you doing? Tell us about that. That's exactly the right question. And here's the really difficult answer, is that 
reading, writing, arithmetic are the material reductions of the authentic liberal arts. So you have two sets of liberal arts called the trivium and the quadrivium. The trivium is grammar, logic, and rhetoric, but those things have been so abused, we would have to say this, I do not trust the schools to tell me what grammar is because you can't find it in a modern grammar book. That's not grammar. Grammar in Greek means letters. It means literacy, but it's so much more profoundly transcendental than we could ever imagine. In fact, you can't imagine it. You have to conceive of it. Hmm. So I'm saying this. There's something 10 billion times better than reading, writing, and arithmetic the way it's understood today, and that is grammar, authentic Aristotelian logic, and true rhetoric, which is the ground of great letters and great writing and great speech. These things are called the liberal arts because they liberate a soul to be free from error and free from bad judgment. It's so beautiful. So I say this, we recover the trivium and then the quadrivium. Those are the quantitative arts we know as arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. And the way the modern word, world treats those words is equally as reductive. But that's your quantitative mathematics, which is a deductive set of arts not inductive, and then the trivium, which are your literacy and language arts. To recover those is pay dirt, it's gold, and it's in the 2,000-year tradition of the West. That's my recommendation. I, I, right there, I, I all that felt, I felt like I was getting nourished, right? When I thought about what all those things uh, cover, it, it just felt so nourishing. It, it felt like a, it makes me. It makes me feel like all the stuff that I was learning in school to a, to a, a great degree was almost just like eating cotton candy. And yep. man, I mean, just in in three three little in three separate subjects, you have yeah. such an incredible bevy of tools that are available for a person mm-hmm. all throughout life. So, okay, right. are there are there programs that have been created that cover the trivium? Um, for parents who want, is, is that something that people who are going to be embarking on homeschooling or switching up their 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 protocols and and their their weekly uh, activities at home, is that something that they should be looking into the trivium? And then when does the quadrivium come in? Well, there's a lot of debate about that. Plato wrote about this in the Republic. The Republic, you'd be shocked if you read the Republic. You probably wouldn't know this, but it's one of the most important books on education in the history of Western civilization. And he suggests that for those who want to jump into authentic schools, which by which he meant leisure time, they need to be geometrized first. They need to begin with a spatial and understanding awareness geometrically of how the world is, which includes arithmetic and then subsumes music and astronomy, looking at the stars. So I think really we begin in a very um, basic way with the quadrivial arts of time and space and quantity Hmm. to begin to catch our bearings. And then we delve into the literacy arts, which means once we understand our space, then we look at real things and read through them. Because the human gift of intellect says that we can look at a thing and because of human intellect, we can abstract from a particular thing, a universal essence. And so it's hard to say which order you go in because that's less important than actually embracing the authentic liberal arts of which there is no program today. You'd have to start with Plato, read Aristotle, meet a bunch of great medieval 
uh, medieval teachers like Hugh of St. Victor and John of Salisbury, and they would instruct you on the authentic liberal arts, but you can't read with the eyes of today. You have to humble yourself and say, well, I'm going to read through the eyes of the author and enter into the world of the author, not try to make the author enter into my world. Mm. Oh, Does that yeah. make sense? So oh, it's, absolutely. It's a tough thing to get started, but it can be done. And parents who are homeschooling ought to start now, today. Trivium. Quadrivium. Trivium and quadrivium. And don't trust the people today that talk about it including me go back to plato go back to the great teachers augustine is an amazing teacher thomas aquinas is phenomenal and I, and in the modern age you got john henry newman and c.s lewis who understand these things you know so i we can draw a line back I, I, I'm, I'm reading in book club this year and i'm doing it with timothy gordon we're actually going live later on tonight uh we're the first month the first book of 2023 is the great divorce c.s lewis and it's it, it really is a an incredible visual experience so you want to talk about being able to gauge time and space and 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 rhetoric and just you want to talk about a, a love letter to nature everything that comes off of the pen with that guy is just so gorgeous and uh, it, I don't know, it's just a very delicious read. And and um, the one thing I can say is that my daughter has been getting a lot of music, a lot of classical music. Uh, I just got to figure out this geometry stuff and the astronomy stuff now. Um, but, um, okay, so let, let me, let, that'll bring me to something else. There are plenty of parents out there who are, are, are very into all this, but they feel that they are in a tough spot. Both parents, to make ends meet, are out there. They are working their asses off. They they would love for their schedules to allow them to be able to be home and be with the children and to actually make this a tangible experience for them. But it, it's just not financially possible, at least at this time. What do you say to somebody who so badly wants something better than what the current uh, education climate can provide their children, but they 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 literally cannot be home. Mm. Uh, that's a that's a tragedy. Five years ago, I would have said, "Oh, just work it out." But now I would say, "This is urgent." I suppose you could look for um, a, a classical charter school, which would be less bad than most things. Good luck finding a faithful Catholic school; that would be less bad than some things. Maybe not. Uh, these are tough times. I mean, it's gotten so bad. You brought up the great divorce. Honestly, heaven and hell have been married. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis's point is that we got to separate those two so we understand the difference between good and evil. And I think we've lost that today. So I would say do everything you can to protect your children, no matter what it costs you. You won't regret it in the long run. You'll probably regret it in the short run because it's its own kind of hell, yeah. especially when we've been conditioned not to handle it. Yeah, uh, well, I'm I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I am uh, because we're, we're we've set ourselves up. We we plan for this ahead of time, knowing that we just did not want anything to do with the, the current system, and we planned ahead. But my my question is this: one thing that really, um, aside from the fact, like you said, the most important thing, and I, I see so much truth in that, is to be able to really just gaze into the eyes of your child and to have that connection and to to be have them be with you to go out into the world together to answer their questions to talk to be around to have that leisurely 
just drifting through and learning what life is all about. You know, um, I, I can see the great truth in that. Um, the other thing that surprised me when we were looking, when my wife and I were looking into what homeschooling would be all about, we were worried because, you know, I, I work at home all throughout the day preparing for the show. Yes, she is home with the child and taking care of the home and we're doing things together. But when we think about what we grew up with, when we are dropped off at school at 7.45 in the morning and we don't get out until about 3.30, somebody picks us up, we go home, but you're out of the house for almost eight hours of the day, we're thinking, do we have to do eight hours of stuff at home? Do we need eight hours of schoolwork prepared for Aurora at home? And then we hear, no, it's nothing like that at all. What What do you think is, what is the average day and the time that's put into actual schooling at home? That's a really good question. And it depends on so many variables that there's not a stock answer but know that you must not spend eight hours a day doing to your children what the public schools would do to them or what they would have you do to them. It's good enough to be with them and experience real things. So you wanna start astronomy, take Aurora out on a, on, a, on a clear night where there's no light pollution and just stare at the stars together. Mm. And do that as often as you can, that's astronomy. Listen to beautiful music with her as often as you can, that's music. And just enjoy experiencing reality together. Um, I, I, you know, that's a great place to start. So I think there's a room for discussion of, you know, how old's a child, how much time do you spend doing things that are important to do? Like, honestly, learning how to write is important. It's not important to do that for two hours a day. Learning math is vitally important, but the quadrivium is your guide, not a modern common core math book that says two plus two can be whatever you want it to be if you can justify it. So I really think parents must let themselves off the hook and tell themselves, if you feel guilty about not doing stuff with your children, that's the world lying to you. If you're keeping them home and protecting them from what the world would do to them. What the world would do to them. Now I wanna talk about what the state might do to them if they learn that the child is home and for years they've been homeschooled and they are just, they're doing exactly what you said. They're going out into the world. They're, they're, they're being outside. They're looking at the stars. They're listening to music. They're getting history. They're getting, you know, they're reading books. They're learning to read, write, arithmetic. All these things are happening uh, in a very natural kind of way with their parents. And, um, and as I said before, I, state to state, I don't know what their individual laws are, what is required by law to be able to do this. But if you're not, I, I don't know how, how severe the penalties are for being out of, uh, out of uh, any kind of, I don't know, requirement zone or criteria being met for what you're doing at home with your child. But a lot of people also are worried about staying in compliance because they don't want something as evil as CPS showing up to do their dirty work. So what do you know about the, the I don't expect you to, to know all 50 states, but what do you know about legal requirements set by the state or any state and what they can do to enforce whatever the hell they think is in the best nature, the best, best good for your, your child? Yeah, well, I know it's worse in California and New York. I know that for sure. But I also know this, it is such a low and weirdly low bar that if you're just with your children 
and you ignore everything they want you to do, but you fill out the reports anyway, there, I don't think a question is going to come up. I haven't heard anything about severe penalties. I think that you would have to be on their radar in other areas for that to be a consideration. Um, I do know it's just, it's such a silliness and it's embarrassing. If you were to do what you're supposed to do with your kids, which is virtually nothing compared to the modern school program, your kids are going to grow so far beyond the mundacity of the idiotic things they want you to achieve and mark off and do. They turn them into illiterate, innumerate sophists. That's what the school does. Most, most most college graduates don't realize this, but they're actually kind of illiterate. Mm. They're illiterate in the truest sense of the word when you understand what grammar, logic, and rhetoric are. They're not only illiterate, they're unable to think clearly. They're dolts. They're, they're sophistical idiots, to be honest. Most PhDs I've met are seriously idiotic, and they don't know it because they're so sophisticated. You go the opposite direction with your children when you when you do the right thing by them. And, and it's so much higher and so much easier to even pass these standardized tests and stuff that are so mundane and so low. So discovering what it is to be real with your children and to be with them authentically and to rediscover the trivium and the quadrivium, that's a game changer. The rest with the state, you got to play cat and mouse. You uh, got to. I've yeah. never heard of anybody getting in trouble. But I know that they have these standards and these people that check up on them. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Yeah, no, it is. And, it, and I, I totally get what you're saying about turning uh, turning children into pretty much overeducated sophists. And yeah. it, it wasn't an, until I started reading about Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism that I, I realized how much of a a slight it is to be sophisticated you know it's a re it's a real slight that you can be uh, I, and what do we have uh, if if not sophisticated morons just completely pummeling us every day with their 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 nonsense about gender and everything else i mean what has had to happen to a person to be able to go on and on about gender identity the way that they go on it's it's incredible medical doctors it yeah i know <laughs> Well, let me, okay, so here's another great question that comes up a lot. Um, college, what is the path, what is the path for the homeschooled uh, boy or girl whose heart, soul, all of their curiosity and all their determination, their dream is in becoming a, a brain surgeon, is in doing something so specialized that they require uh, higher learning and, and really, really important levels of of uh, higher and, I mean, I, I guess, you know, precision education. If you're, what about that? What's the path for the homeschooled child going that path? How do they do it? Okay, no matter what the home child chooses to do, whether it's a neurosurgeon or a lawyer or any kind of, any kind of doctor or anything, or if they choose not to go down that road at all, if they're gonna go to university or college, it should be Thomas Aquinas College, Wyoming Catholic College, Thomas More College in New Hampshire, and there's a list of a few others. So there's about 10 schools in America that homeschooling families can safely go to really? where they aren't woke. Now, if beyond that they wanna to go to medical school, know this, if you become a neurosurgeon, you're in a woke program, no matter what. But being armed with an authentic college experience like Wyoming Catholic and TAC, they, they can stomach it. I've talked to good souls in medical school who tell me about the bombardment but they're so edified from homeschooling in a good college 
that it doesn't ruin them. So if you want to be a lawyer, you're going to woke lawyer school, you're going to woke law school. But if you're edified by an authentic homeschool and college, you're going to survive it and then maybe be part of the solution to waking red pilling people in the first place. You know, that, that, that I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I mean, obviously, I know that whether uh, I knew that no matter what, you are building up a a shield for your child of good logic and good reason that can, well what can't be broken. Um, I mean, what's the reason why there's so much censorship these days? Because the 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 ethos that we live under, the yoke under which we live, of this sophisticated mind virus nonsense that's going on right now out there. It can't survive with even basic inquiry. It cannot. It, it falls apart. So therefore, everybody needs to be censored. So when you have somebody, a child who is who is educated from the time that they are, you know, three, two, one years old at home, and then they go all throughout their their uh, teens, and then they say, "All right, time to go to college." That's really interesting to know that there's at least 10 colleges in the country that will be a safe place for homeschooled children because that was my whole thing. How do you get in if you're not taking SATs, if you're not doing any of this other stuff? I don't know what their qualifications are, but once you're in a, a college, then getting into accelerated programs for medicine, I mean, that's all you need. You need just to be able to get in to go to the next thing. So that's that's interesting to know. Yeah. If you're suited for the, the, the neurosurgeon life, and you get a degree from one of these classical colleges, you can do it. And they're made for accepting homeschoolers as well, these 10 that I'm referring to. So that, that is a real thing. Wow. But I wanted to comment on what you said. I, I saw this thing from Stanford IT department. They had a 12-page document on speech codes. You were talking about not being able to challenge the narratives. It's to the point where they have 13 pages of telling you the words you can't even say anymore. Mm. And it's worth looking at. If anyone's interested, I, I could send you a link to it and you could post at the bottom and they could look at how crazy it's gotten. Well, Stephen, I just read something and I had it set aside because I want to do like a libertarian roundtable with a few friends of mine in an upcoming episode. But I just read something where there was this uh, astrophysicist woman. She works in a college in, in Colorado or near there or whatever. And she made the claim that astrophysics is rife with white supremacy and when she goes into why it's because there is some there there is an overly developed need for precision for uh for individualism for i and i'm thinking about all this stuff i was like what Pre being precise and individualism and and all that that's that is bad and inherently white and, and and i'm thinking to myself at one point well i mean at least all this nonsense this uh this culture and race and class warfare nonsense can't get into applied and hard sciences but oh my god it's there it's it's, it's there, there. More, it, it's everywhere yeah frank i heard that i was driving from texas to california i randomly turned the radio on and i heard that astrophysicist She's a complete moral idiot. She's a moron. And she's credible, I guess. And she was talking about melanin and melatonin. And how, it was amazing. I heard that whole talk. So that's a great thing to talk about. It's so absurd. It is. I'm blown away. No, What's it her is. name? Uh, her name is Gosnell. Hold on. I, yes. I, I have it all right. Wait, so let me see here. Let me just get you on the schedule. Where the hell do I have it? It's somewhere very, very darn it. 
I, I've heard her interviewing with her mom on um, NPR, some show. Unbelievable. Here it is. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. That's another question I had for Libertarian Night about drug use. Um, where, where the, where's the other one? Because this is so important. It's, it's so important. It really is. Well, well anyway, I'll, I'll have to pull, pull that up somewhere else because, man, I, uh, I don't know where else to take this. But yeah. it's, it's so great that you're on right now. So now I have something to look into, me and Lauren. Uh, the Trivium, that's going to be great. The Quadrivium. And I gotta just be a little bit more mindful, and I and I also feel a lot lighter and looser right now, Please, because because I didn't know I I didn't know whether or not it's okay. Well, it's ten it's ten a.m. Let's sit her down and 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 do some ABCs. She already knows her her ABCs. Um, she's already counting to nearly twenty. Uh, and so I, I just gotta, I guess we just got to get a pen in her hand, and she look. The only thing is though, Stephen, I think she's gonna be a lefty. I don't know what to do with lefties. Oh. I don't know what to do with a lefty. I don't know. I don't know. Sinistra. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But all right. So that's what I really wanted to cover with you tonight. And I want to do more on this. But we did so much. I can't thank you enough for your time. Is there anything in particular you want to leave us with aside from letting everybody know where they can find your work in the meantime? Yeah, I have a I have a weekly newsletter. I'm writing about these things. I'm just sending it out. If anyone wants to sign up, they can go to that link that I sent you. But I want to say this. I read every single post on your education thread, and you could take all that and probably write a really important book for parents because I think everything was brought up. I was really impressed with your readers for having their, their eyes on the prize, for having their finger on the pulse of what needs to be protected and what needs to be asserted. So I was really, really amazed by that and grateful that you have those kinds of audience members. Well, you know, so the, well it makes me, that's the other thing. We spoke so much about very important and, and, and heavy things here tonight. And one of the, I mean, I guess it all, when we talk about Aristotelian logic, that, that goes hand in hand with so many Christian motifs that it's, that, that it's already just baked into there. But we didn't even really talk specifically about faith. How do you start introducing God? How do you start really articulating God, Jesus, to a child? It's it's one of those things that's very awkward for somebody who is not, uh, you know, it's very awkward. I, I never thought about how I would introduce something like that to a child. And um, so maybe we talk about that next time, or if you want to give us, a, give us a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a, of a preview of that right now, and we'll go into that deeper next time. Yeah. In the, in the reality of all truth, the number one question that needs to be answered for education or anything else is, does God exist? And there are only two possible answers. Either God does exist or he doesn't. To say you're agnostic is just putting off the answer. It's irrelevant. So if God exists and he created the universe and is outside of time and space, that holds every implication we need to learn to discuss the right order of faith, philosophy, and then the liberal arts in that order. And that's the thing we can talk about next time. Oh, oh this is so great. I'm gonna, well, listen, I'll be emailing you or something as soon as we get off, and we'll put this on the schedule for maybe like March. We'll give it, we'll, we'll let this simmer for February. We'll jump right into it in March. It'll be the, it's the month that spring arrives, new beginnings. Okay. I can't wait for this one. Thank you so much for everything, Steve and Jonathan. Is, is cityoftruth.co what you want promoted? Because I'll put that in the description of yes. the episode. Okay. Yes. Well, you go to the bottom and sign up for the email link. It's free. Thank you for everything, Stephen. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Frank. Great to see you guys. All right. Be Take well. Care.
All right, you too. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I feel great right now. That was a wonderful conversation. It's 10 after 8. I want to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, it'll be your calls. It'll be reading through everything that I can get through on this thread for the remainder of the show. And we got about 25 minutes or so. We should be able to get through a lot. Um, and now I'm, I'm even more excited about getting into book club at 8.45. So... Don't go anywhere. In fact, like, like, like. If you are on YouTube or on Rumble, give this a like. Please respond. Uh, uh, re uh, remind people around you. It's so important of growing the show. It's not an ego thing. It's an. It, it, I've actually seen the science now, and uh, for as long as we're on those platforms, we got to do everything we can, and it's the fastest, cheapest, simplest way that you can help me reach some big time goals in 2023. And we've already done so much in the first three weeks. So uh, I appreciate you all. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite so everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I'm feeling good. See, these are the shows that really define what we do on uh, on quite frankly. These are the these are the episodes that really define what I like doing. Just let's just get different things. Let's just talk about things. Oh god, if I had to spend this night talking about Democrats versus Republicans. Oh, I'm always happy that we do things like this. Because it makes those other nights that we have to circle back through the headlines and poke some fun and connect some dots. It makes those a lot more bearable. It really does. Let's get into our... Let's get into our super chats. 
see what people are thinking. Maria says, looking forward to listening to this later. Uh, to add to the raising kids in this time, my daughter turned four today. Happy birthday. And her big gift was a BB rifle inspired by Chris Ann Hall a while back. Thanks for the great show as always. Aurora already has a pink Red Rider waiting for her. We had bought Lauren the Red Rider uh, BB gun. It's pink, got a pink stock and all that stuff. So uh, that, that'll be Aurora's. And then we can move up to the, I've got a, a crank pellet gun, a gamo that, that's actually really good with a 22 scope on it. And that's a little bit more powerful. And then from there, you know, we can teach her to, to calibrate the scope and all that stuff and peering through. And then from there, we can go to the, to the 22 bolt action. And then uh, I don't have a 30 odd six yet. And she's, she's not gonna be ready for a shotgun for, for a while. Aurora, I just try to think of Aurora holding a shotgun and it scares me, of course. But inspired by Chris Ann a while back, thanks for the great show. Maria, remember what Chris Ann said, if your daughter goes and shoots a lizard, She's going to have to eat it. You don't take life needlessly. That was that was Chris Ann's big lesson that night. I got to call Chris Ann, get her on the show too again for the new year. It's been a while. Mark Swan says, it's Nikki's birthday today, and she would like you to whistle into the mic and flash your tits. No tits, though, tonight. Sorry to say. Happy birthday, Nikki, though. Super Happy says, thank you for the main t for maintaining creative control of your show. I follow several independent con content creators and really appreciate all of them, but your show is my favorite. Well, Super Happy, I appreciate you. And I'm so happy that I could have risen to the top of your, your go-tos. And hopefully this year brings us opportunity to get in front of tens of thousands more. Always remember, I love this small feeling It'll always be a small feeling show, but in the back of my head, and it's the same way that I've always approached every broadcast, I am talking to at least a million people. That's my approach. I'm talking to a million people. And I always hated when Anthony and Mike would remind me that nobody was watching. So would you just, I hear them snickering in the other room uh, when we were doing our shows from, the, from, from our bedrooms in like 2006, 2007, I'd be in my room and Anthony would be in his room with Mike and they'd be on the computers in there. And uh, and if I'd hear them snickering and I wasn't in on the joke, I know exactly what was going on. They checked the numbers and nobody was listening. And, I, and I, I'd, I'd hate them for it too. I said, would you stop? I said, just, well, well, how about you just pretend so that we can you know, do the rest of our bits here and not feel like morons. Fake it till you make it. Well, I feel like we've made a lot of great things here and I can't wait to meet more people. But as far as creative control goes, it's been very easy to maintain creative control of the show because I haven't gotten any offers. <laughs> trust me, trust me. I haven't had anybody uh, dangle seven figures in front of me and had that moment, that temptation in the desert moment. Now, ultimately, like I said, my, my demands would outweigh everything else. Um, it would outweigh everything else and would, would render all of those big offers moot. It's not, it'd be a feather in my cap. Oh, thank you for acknowledging me. I'd feel validated, but I don't need any of that. I don't need any of that. I'm very happy with what I'm doing on the, on the course that I am. And 
and uh, and and the audience and they keep coming in they're very supportive and and we'll grow we will continue to grow and the network will continue to grow and and it'll be great but it's been very easy to maintain creative control up to this point so uh let's see here uh, Phil's WW says, oh my, I cannot put be putting on my eye makeup when listening to one of King 40's stories. Oh, how I love him. I'm laughing so hard. I'm crying right now. Wonderful. Have a great night, Francis. Kisses and love to you and the fam. You know, it's funny. Me, Lauren, and the baby, we, we left. I, I, I recorded the, the uh, morning show with Tracy. And after we were done, I rounded them up. And we went off to go check the P.O. box. We had to go to uh, the grocery store so I can buy myself a handful of Thai peppers because I go through those peppers so so quick. I love the searing hot. And and then we went to go donate some clothes and stuff like that. But along the way, the music is playing and we're just we're just talking and, and playing music in the car and then come coming up in a shuffle is an old clip of Zadal's in New York had to be from 2007 between me Anthony Mike and King so I mean in a few years it's gonna be 20 years ago that's just crazy that's nuts in four years that that call is gonna be 20 years old and you hear us all high-pitched with our voices and things like that. Our balls had not dropped yet. And there's King. We're having a really touching moment on there about how, how the show influenced him to make amends with somebody in his life because of how my brother and I spoke candidly about our relationship with our father, which there is a, a very, very, very big rift between us um, for, for a while there. But... It was crazy to listen to that pop up, and I got to dig. I have all of those things archived. It's going to take an army of people to help me comb through it and find things that are acceptable for, for the world that we're in now, and just awesome to look back at, look back on, and introduce you to some things from the past, which, like I said, is approaching twenty years ago. Just insane. So yeah, there's there's been a lot of classic King Forty moments. Uh. Many of them were great. <laughs> what could I say? All right. Uh, NJSF says, great subject. Wonder how the Ron Paul curriculum would fit. You know, uh, you know what? Uh, and then NJSF says, great guest and interview. Awesome show. What I would say to that, everything that Stephen Jonathan just said, I was thinking about Brian McClanahan's uh, at home curriculum. I was thinking about all of the, the educational tools and the materials that Chris Ann Hall has published for children and, el and, and everything else. Those are things that I look at now and I say, oh, those are just cherries on top. Cher big, fat, juicy cherries, of course. But to think about the, this, I have to go into the trivium and the quadrivium and really start honing in on that. And and then to think about getting Chris Ann Hall stuff coming on in, Brian McClanahan, uh, things like Ron Paul, Ron Paul curriculum, maybe make it seasonal, seasonal stuff like, you know, Fourth uh, of July is coming up. We're going to be doing a little bit more of a of a, a look back on what was going on in the country around this time in 1774 through six and then beyond. 
Uh, we, we live in a very revolutionary war era location in the Northeast. I mean, all around us are revolutionary. George Washington slept pretty much everywhere. Every other house in Westchester, George Washington spent a night in. So between these things that you can just throw into the mix, stories you can tell, subjects you want to bring up about the Constitution, but because the Constitution is, by and large, a philosophical document about, you know, about the nature of man and how it needs to be curtailed and limited in some way so that liberty can thrive and all that. It's just just great things. And there's a lot of history behind it. As Chris Ann Hall has said many times on this show, the, uh, the Constitution was 700 years in the making. 700 years in the making. If you take all of the trial and error from Europe and you bring it here, um, there's so much there. So now that I just had this show that we did tonight, I'm looking at that as the cherry on top. And it seems a lot less daunting as to when to do it and how much would be too much for Aurora. So I'm excited about that. All right, on to Rumble. We got a few rants in there I saw. Duty of a Patriot, one of your best shows ever. I'm so happy you think so. Thank you. Duty of a Patriot, again, says meant to send $20. Great show. Thank you. Wart Guy. Frank, I will give you $1.2 million for creative control of your show. You son of a bitch. I'm already losing my resolve. I can feel it. I can feel it. I'm losing it. Fine. Take me for whatever you want. Go ahead. I work for Wart Guy now. <laughs> I, I love how he sweetened the deal. 1.2. That extra 0.2. I think that's what broke my back right there. The point two. Devious. Devious. Swickly on Pill.net on Foxhole says, I've seen many shows on Rumble that are obviously run by the bad side. Love you, Frank. Cheers, man. Oh, listen, there's a lot going on on Rumble that I'm just like, Ooh. I, I don't, I don't, understand. I don't know. I just like our, I like our cafeteria table. I like where we're sitting and I like just, Sticking to what I know, and that's that. Uh, I have been invited, you know. For well, that being said, I did. I, I don't know too much about Badlands Media, but taking it back that I do with Adel and uh, and Zach. Zach came on to replace uh, Brendan Dilly uh, a little while ago. It used to be me, Adel, and Brendan Dilly shooting the shit on a Thursday afternoon. Badlands just picked up. Uh, taking it back, so there's a lot more people watching that on a Thursday, and the guy John from Badlands, I don't, I don't know him. I, I was just introduced to him um, this last couple of when it was like, like a week ago when that happened with it, taking it back. He invited me to to come on to do a co-hosting spot on Friday morning on a ten o'clock show that they do like a daily brief over there on Badlands. So I, I'll be I'll be here in the studio at ten o'clock in the morning on Friday doing that with him but um so that's nice i i don't know too much but there's a lot of things going on rumble that i never saw then again there has been like a a blackout there's been a blackout for so long especially since those purges in october of 2020 i've over the last two and a, two and you know how are two and some odd months Two years, some odd months. 
so many sticks have been scattered into the wind and uh, I feel like rumble is just kind of like becoming a magnet for everything that was once lost and people who are starting new ventures and it's really confusing so I just stick to what I do and I don't pay too much attention but I wish everybody the best and hopefully they're doing good things Jay Jewel says my stress went down seeing Brian Stelter at Davos the loser boy in the idiot club WEF given the job no one wanted 247 spins says greetings from deep end of the pool Frank glug glug be well thank you 247 and Sean Joe thank you for the cookie all right all right all right now into book club I mean into um into our spot here more from the audience on what can be done and we'll take some calls on this too 914-595-6953 we have about 10 10 or so minutes left here's from captain wiggles says we are homeschooling or private private depending on the jab slash curriculum and there will be no screen time if we do the homeschool route we will have wood shop field trip fridays work in the garden first aid and cpr classics uh, classes on top of regular material so they can acquire life skills yeah we got to do we have to compile all this into some kind of a book I'm very protective on who will be in our children's lives as well. If they are terrible persons, regardless of being family, they are not welcome and will not see our children. Mama bear mode has been activated. Hmm. Thank you, Captain Wiggles. Uh, Dewis Volt says, we will either be homeschooling our child or strongly vetting a private trad Catholic school uh, before sending them there. We will also teach them strong traditional Catholic morals. We will protect their innocence as long as possible, but if they have questions, we won't be afraid to give them the blunt truth. She will not get a cell phone, very limited TV access, and Wi-Fi will have parental controls and only supervised use. Our baby is two months old now, so it's definitely something on our minds. It's a great time to start thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, 309 says, Frank, I'm a grandmother worried sick about the state of the world for our children and our grandchildren. I've been thinking about something for a long time now, ever since I learned what's going on in our quote unquote education system. Every problem we're facing now in society is being reinforced while we speak in all the schools across America from daycare through college. Yeah, public, private, religiously oriented, not it's it's, it's all it's everywhere. We can fight these insanities all we want, but for every normie we red pill, there are tens of thousands of our children being indoctrinated against everything we believe in at the same time. I'm all for homeschooling, and here's what I've been thinking about, but I but don't have a problem. Uh, I don't have a platform to put it out there, and I want to see what others think. Rally grandparents, aunts, uncles, older siblings, friends, etc., to really teach our children. The basics, which they are not learning, along with the trade skills. We have a ton of knowledge, and we are all dying off. So rally all of the elder statesmen in the family and the community, she's saying. Form groups in your communities and build homeschooling co-ops. For instance, I'm an artist and for many years owned floral a floral business. I could teach children art and floral design. One of my brothers is such a talented carpenter that he never had to advertise. His clients kept coming from word of mouth. I hate to think that this his beautiful work would never be repeated or sustained. What he could teach 
would give students a way to make a living in the real world besides all the knowledge and beautiful craftsmanship that would carry on. I'd like to know what people think about this. Thank you, Frank. You're the best out there. And, and this entire thread is just chock full of wonderful thoughts like that. Um, just, uh, yeah. It's wonderful. That's another thing there, ladies and gentlemen. That's the... That's why the destruction and the slow eroding of the family, the family, the tight-knit family, that has a lot of children, a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of cousins, a lot of people who are over for Sunday dinner that are doing things together. They celebrate holidays together, and there's open dialogue. And, yes, there's always butting heads, and there's always family black sheep. That's always been the case. It's just, you know, not saying that there was a golden age where everybody was a saint, but there was always that you can rely on a lot more people. You can rely on a lot more people. And that that is obviously in decline as well as a a, a really strong faith relation a relationship with uh with the divine and god a lot of that is going away and therefore there's a lot less people from that that usual that usual uh bullpen of aunts and grandparents and 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 uncles and everybody who had skills and trades and all that there's there's a lot less people available for younger younger uh, members of the family to learn from and to become apprentices and and get involved uh, I, I, there's so much going on economically right now that de-incentivizes people to start businesses there's so much going on in the world and in the country domestically that is making it harder and harder for people to own businesses and to flourish because of red tape, because of every other political initiative out there that is just ruining the whole idea of not only owning businesses, but owning homes. It's, um, it is a full court press. That's why when we opened up the show with Steve and Jonathan, and he was, and he, he really reiterated how people need to really think about how in the thick of it we are at the moment, and not thinking about the hellscape dystopia as being something that's off in the distance. We are in the thick of it now, and that does not mean that we're going to be getting out of it anytime soon, and it doesn't mean that it's only going to get better from here. Um, but, but yeah, uh, if, if you've got families, if you've got people in your family that you can tap on the shoulder and get them involved, that'd be wonderful. That would be wonderful if you have that opportunity. Like I said, there's there's so many parents out there who know that this is something that would benefit their children, but if they're going to make ends meet and make their monthly, uh, you know, meet the overhead, everybody's got to go out there and, and find a job and, and work at the same time. That's changed a lot. That's another thing that changed over the last few generations in this country and, and around the world. It's still, it's still alive, but um, things that you have to contend with. All right, 827, let's take a... Let's take a call. The first caller that we have is Joy. What's going on, Joy? Hi, Frank. Um, I just had a thought about the homeschooling. We did it a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the best things is I bet what you and Lauren are already doing with Aurora, you're probably not looking at your cell phone all the time or, you know, looking at other things all the time. 
making sure that they see your eye contact when you're in the grocery store. It's not so much getting the little books for them to fill out numbers and colors, but it's like, ooh, look at that pretty yellow banana, or Aurora, can you pick one banana, or, you know, yeah. describing things and, and appreciating things like I'm sure you guys both do. It's like, look at those beautiful clouds, look at that beautiful blue sky, or um, whatever it might be, like using those words and appreciation and just noticing stuff and you know oh a yellow bus and she's looking out the window at the yellow bus and she gets it and sees your excitement about life so i'm sure you guys are already doing everything you need to do so it's all loving right i'm, I'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up joy because that does have that that is that is really how it is it's just a, yeah. a lot of a lot of slowly, clearly explaining what we're doing, and and just taking uh, taking great joy in in the little in the little things around us. Even stop, stopping, stopping uh, as we're walking down sidewalks and wherever the hell we are. Looking, and, yeah, looking at a bug and thinking, how cool is this bug? A and bug, should, a flower. What yeah, color? What color is a flower? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, cool beans. You take care, hon. Have a good night. Thank you, Joy. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way it's been, and I'm I'm sure it will stay. What color is that flower? What's going on there? What do you think they're thinking? What I mean that that's that's how I approach. I mean that's how I write a show. Once we start watching, you know, if I if I have a couple of films I want to show her, things that are you know age appropriate and things like that, I'll always be asking for that i can't wait i can't wait until the day comes like maybe when she's six seven well i can wait i want extra days i don't want them to speed up it's just something we say i can't wait um but i it, when the day finally comes that we sit down and we can i can i can watch star wars with her episode four five and six when she realizes when she realizes that darth vader is Luke's father when she real when she really puts two and two together of what uh what return of the jedi is all about I'm sorry I just lost a lot of you fine that's that's fine but those for those of you who understand when she finally realizes what is going on at the emperor's throne room at the end of return of the jedi when Anakin Skywalker when the, the jedi returns when Anakin comes back and defeats Vader when he comes back and he chooses his son. Oh, that's great. That is great. That is so great. I mean, that, that, that the son saved the father. There's so much great stuff. And it's, and it's scary, too. It does get a little scary, you know, the, the, um, those, those uh, characters like the Emperor. They're pretty imposing for a small child, but like G.K. Chesterton said, the, the whole thing about fairy tales is, you know, the children we, we know as we were born, it's inherent inside of all of us that we know that good and evil exists. And it's not about telling, telling the child that, hey, evil exists. 
I mean, you can tell when the emperor walks into frame that there's something very wrong about this guy. The whole point of telling stories and understanding what's going on and the morals and character arcs and how it relates to us and how it relates to our history is being able to show children and remind ourselves that, his, that evil can be defeated and must be faced. Luke walked into the belly of the beast. He had to defeat the emperor and he had to save his father. Awesome. Good stuff. All right, so uh, I invite you all to go and read the rest of these wonderful entries on quitefrankly.tv. Go to the forum, it's pinned to the top. Um, about education during the apocalypse, there's many more there, but we have run out of time. I have to go do some things with book club, and I'm gonna be late if I don't leave right now. So I need to thank some people. KT Sky D. KT Sky D says, I like your show better than Anthony's. Well, thank you. I, what does that mean? Anthony's show? I don't know what that means. What did he do? Are you talking about the episode he did with Vinnie Brusco? Anywho, I'm glad you like the show tonight, KT. And uh, what else do we have? Over on Rumble, did we get anything else in there? Yes, one more. Katie says, I've noticed twice that your like dropped considerably when I left the page and came back. Also, I noticed Dave Rubin didn't speak on what Crowder dropped yesterday. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't. Who knows if it's that? Who knows if it's the TPUSA people? Uh, the fact that nobody's talking about it is pretty interesting. But it, you know what? All of those big conservative media groups like the Daily Wire and TP and whatever the hell else is going on out there, they probably have similar contracts. They probably have similar contracts. All of them probably do. Who knows what kind of money they are all making. It's incredible. Incredible. That's why I say what we've learned to do on shows like this with very little is the, 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 the day that I have a little bit of money, it's over. I mean, this, what we can do at that point. And the biggest thing is just giving. I, I give as much as I can, and I can't wait to give more. And I think that's, um, that's another thing that keeps this uh, a really nice, a nice adventure. So thank you all so much for the time tonight. I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you to Scott17. Says, first time I'm catching the show live. Much love, Frank. I hope you can catch it live more often. And we will see you guys tomorrow night. At 7 o'clock, we got Jay Gulanello in here. Wonderful topics of conversation coming up your way. Thanks again to Steve and Jonathan, and I'll see you guys soon. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with KT Sky D, Maria, Mark Swan, Super Happy, Phil's WW, and uh, NJSF on uh, Rockfin, and a bunch of wonderful people on Rumble and Foxhole. We will see you tomorrow. For those of you who are getting ready for book club, we will be live in about five minutes. So. We're going live on YouTube for that. You have the unlisted link. Take care.